0: TC hey,
1: oh, That's, that's cool. cool. You got a podcast?
2: do?
0: Welcome, welcome, welcome. We are back. Oh, that's cool. Ozark's Technical Community College's very own podcast on all the amazing people we work with right here at OTC. I, of course, am Jared
3: Durden, and with me as always... My name is Andrew Crocker. How you doing? I'm good. How are Weather's you? Weather's pretty. I'm good. Every day is good when you're free and you're not in jail. <laughs> I was worried that I might miss the podcast today because I'd be incarcerated. I had the... Um, we had talked about this earlier, but a very sad event happened. Well, a very scary event happened this morning. I, would when say I was it was horrifying. taking my kid to school, and as I load her up in the car, her seatbelt jack won't allow her to pull it out and buckle herself in. So I'm in the middle of the street at this point, so I get out. I open my door. I get out of the car. I walk around to open up her door. And I notice that her her, her car door is moving the whole car. I forgot to park the car. And so the car starts slowly rolling down the street. And it probably goes a good four or five feet by the time I can wrestle myself back into the driver's seat and slam on the brakes, slamming my seven-year-old's face into the back of my (laughs) headrest. So anyways, she's okay, though. She's great. Matter of fact, to make light of the whole thing, because I always feel like kids read your responses to things. So if you sound really nervous and freaked out, she will get really nervous and freaked out. So the second I stopped the car and I scraped up my arm, which you can see here, and I got the car to stop and I looked around and she, her eyes were as big as dinner plates. And I said, "Uh, (laughs) well, wasn't that an adventure? And she's like, oh he's laughing. Okay. Yeah, that was funny. My face hit the back of your seat really hard. I'm like, oh, you know, it's great. You're fine. It's all okay to check that she wasn't bleeding she's great everybody's fine everybody's fine but there was a little scary moment suburbia so i um, had something similar happen once yikes. but i wasn't in the car
0: <laughs> when i i actually well, neither was i <laughs> previous to my career as a professor for a while i worked at that great southern bank right around around the corner on um chestnut and benton yeah and i had borrowed uh someone's car at the time to go to work and it was a stick shift and i didn't put it in i didn't put the emergency brake on yeah Parked it, got out, and at some point, well, a customer came in and was like, "Oh, there's a car in the middle of Chestnut." It was my car, and it had rolled out of the parking lot. Holy Luckily, hadn't hit anybody.
3: Gone across Chestnut and then stopped the media. See, I remember when we had a really bad ice storm a few years back, and in the apartment I lived in, had slopy parking lots, and the 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 road got so. I see that cars just naturally slid out of yeah. the parking spots and, and bumped up against other cars. You were lucky, actually, that you weren't responsible. What would you even be responsible for? It's not manslaughter. because It would be. You weren't in the car when it happened. I bet, I, well, that's still your assault with a deadly weapon. <laughs> Maybe. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, so before uh, we move on here, sure. I have to draw attention to um, you doing a really... We have talked a couple times about student organizations. You are getting not one of them... But in traditional Durden fashion, two of them off the ground, both well, of them looking amazing. Only one of them is off the ground, I would say, but, but the, other one, well. the other one's on the runway. On the runway. And um, the one you're getting done, first of all, best flyers on campus, your STEM club, best flyers they, they, on campus.
0: The new ones actually aren't even me. They're a student who is running for one of our uh, cabinet positions, which is Minister of Posters. <laughs> okay. And that is their their debut poster, which, the, is, which you, you know all of these cartoons. What movie is that from?
3: Um It was from... The Llama one with David the, No, Tate. no, that's the uh, Emperor's New Groove. Emperor's New Groove. Yeah, nailed it. And I just want to draw attention because your club has lots of fun stuff coming down the line. Um... I think this podcast will be released after. It'll be after. Which is a shame. Yeah. Because two Fridays. What are we doing next Friday? Next Friday will you is Please talk about uh, this. It's such a fun idea.
0: This this won't be the first time. So even though this you, you missed this event, come to the next one. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you've ever seen Mystery Science Theater 3000, <laughs> this is the idea. Yeah. And so we picked a movie called Sunshine made in 2007, which is about uh, the sun is dying, so a group of astronauts take a nuclear bomb to try to restart it. Which that's, is That's perfectly Terrible science, right? (laughs) So I'm bringing in um, uh, an astrophysicist to help uh, facilitate kind of uh, joking about, talking about the bad science. And while we watch and have popcorn, kind of making fun uh, of of this. That is one of my favorite
3: um, memories from high school was the movie Twister came out. And we watched Twister in, I think it was Integrated Science Anyways, so Twister is also horrible science, but uh, it's really great for jerking around, watching the show. And it's also really good for pausing. Okay, why is everything you're seeing here wrong? Yeah. Uh, anyways, such a fun idea. I, so so if,
0: if anybody has another idea for a movie, we're going to keep kind of doing this. And I'll bring in, uh, you
3: know, scientists to kind of help oh, us. Oh, I have one. Yeah. Suggestion. What's the, there was, this movie came out not that long ago. I actually have not seen it. Moonfall. Moonfall. I wanted that one too, but it's not available to us yet. M- Moonfall, yeah. I hear, is not it's only awful. the worst science ever, but the plot is ridiculous, and we could a whole other thing. So that's me planting a seed for a future event for you and for yes. anybody else who's listening. I'm a huge fan of Mystery Science Theater 3000. That is such a fun idea, sitting around because that was always the most fun you had in like college and such. Was. You know, you see a Vin Diesel movie and everything he was doing was ridiculous. I
0: still do. it. Griffin and I watch uh, horror movies together and <laughs> we just talk the entire time, just <laughs> right. mocking them incessantly. So uh, you bring up a good point, though. Kind of what we're talking about today is, is, is student groups and the importance of them. And, and to talk about that idea, we have brought on from the English department, Jane Cowden. How are you, Jane?
1: Good. Thank you for having me.
0: So real quick, just tell us a little bit about yourself and your experience here at the college, what you do.
1: I am an English instructor and I teach uh, composition, creative writing, and technical writing. And I am also the faculty advisor for the OTC literary magazine, Go Anywhere.
0: Has that, uh, uh, so tell us a little bit about the magazine.
1: So we will be coming into our seventh year of the literary magazine. Um, we are an award winning magazine. We were Uh, awarded the best magazine for the Midwest region of the United States. Congratulations. Uh, Yeah, thank you. It's all student work, and I have a student staff. Uh, We run it as a class in the spring, and so we'll soon be taking submissions of literature and artwork and uh, putting it together in the spring. So that is really a rewarding thing that I do.
3: When you say that it is student-run, like they are procuring these pieces, they're clearly writing them, um, but do, how, how much student-run is this sucker?
1: So depending on the size of the staff, mm-hmm. it is pretty student-run. So they, they read all of the work, they place it in the magazine according to theme, they decide on the theme for the entire magazine. They pair uh, literature with art, and uh, they do some editing. Uh, I do a lot of editing, but, um, but the, the students really do the, the bulk of the work.
3: Now, you're lucky if you can get students that are proactive enough to do that. Are they doing it for course credits, or are they doing it kind of out of their passion for the subject, or both?
1: Both. Both. So I'm I'm pretty excited because this year it looks like I'm going to have a a staff of returning students. Uh, So right now we don't have a lot of students in the class, but uh, it looks like we're going to be able to run it as a class. And those students worked on last year's magazine as volunteers. We weren't able to run the class last year, so it should be a really exciting year for us.
3: Those returning students are worth their weight in gold. Oh my goodness! I've been running a student club for a good long time, and Um, The only problem with doing it at a college like this is the churn. The student churn is real. And in any given year, you could lose a half to two-thirds of your cabinet. And it's great if you can have mainstays that come back and show kind of everybody else, okay, here's kind of the atmosphere we like to set. Here's some of the jobs that we like to do. Because they've been around, they've seen things done a few times, they can take a little bit more proaction. And um, we've been really lucky in politically active to do that we've had a couple people that have been around for two or three semesters and very comfortable with the vibe have set up a great personality for the club and everybody else can get into it but in past semesters you know we'll lose two-thirds of them almost everybody from the cabinet from the especially after the spring um what is there a talent or are you just to bringing them back are you just lucky that you just haven't bled a lot over the last couple semesters
1: well, we, we've we actually, you know, we, we bled a lot, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everybody did uh, through the 2021 20, years. And I was lucky enough to have a really dedicated staff during the pandemic. Not a lot of colleges put out their literary magazines in the spring of 2020, but OTC did.
0: Yeah, that's really impressive.
1: Yeah, I I was, I'm really impressed with my students and I'm, I'm pretty proud of, of them. Uh, I... I don't think I have a talent. I'm just lucky enough to have creative writing classes. So Mm -hmm. that gives me uh, access to a lot of students who are interested in literature and want to work on the literary magazine.
0: Sure. So um, when when I asked you to come on to to, to talk about um, your particular student group, um, you had uh, a very interesting idea, um, and you've actually brought someone else with you um, because there's a lot more to talk about in this podcast than just um, the student group itself. But we have kind of the whole origin genesis story, which we we, we, we really enjoy as well. So we'd like you to go ahead. Will you introduce the, the special guest that you've brought on uh, 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 to, to the program?
1: I will. I'm so lucky. So Preston is not my um, student. He hasn't been my student. But I have become acquainted with him through a student organization, which is... A lovely thing to get to do any instructor that does a student organization is blessed with getting to meet students who are as wonderful as Preston so this is Preston Schaefer and he is a key player in the founding member of the Student Organization Council which is a new organization that we have now on the OTC campus Hello,
2: thank you so much for bringing me on and giving me the space to share my thoughts. This is, uh, this is, uh, this is new
3: territory for us. The, yes, uh, Jane has effectively sublet her uh, podcast guesthood. This is, uh, this is like a podcast version of an Airbnb that we're, <laughs> we're having to navigate here. She's trying to deter it's a podcast good-rated. profit. Uh, so can I get that from you again, Preston? I want to make sure I am nailing this because um, one of the, OTC is a classic case. I'm sure most colleges are, but OTC is the soup I swim in. Of the right hand not doing what the left hand, right hand not knowing what the left hand is doing. So, can you run me through this again? Student organization. Wh- what was she saying? Your position was, or the organization you were with.
2: So, um, I'm one of the founding members of uh, Student Engagement Council. Um, oh. Student Engagement Council is basically just um, a chance to get people more engaged in their community, the the college, and um, their fellow
3: peers. What a, so when you say more involved in the community, give me a couple top line
2: items. What do you like to do? What do you guys like to do? Um, I mean, honestly, what, the main thing that I like to do is get to know everybody. Um, I am a huge advocate for um, just really accepting anybody, no matter who they are, um, and really getting to know deeper than just like surface level of like who this person is, no matter where they come from, no matter their origin.
3: Well, you've come, to the, you've come to the right podcast because that's a great mission statement. Do you guys, what is, um, what is an activity that you guys might do or have done?
2: Um, we were thinking, we were throwing around a few ideas of uh, like, I think we were just thinking, what was that one that we were just thinking of doing?
1: So the, the core mission for Student Engagement Council is to engage students in activities uh, where they can get to know each other, they can be engaged in the community and they can be engaged in the college. So, we were just talking earlier about um, attending the OTC play, you and I. Oh, yeah. Had students together to do that. Uh, we just recently participated in the OTC trunk or treat, which was delightful. Yeah. <laughs> in every way. Um, we also had our first uh, student engagement convocation. Uh, which was a town hall with the director of the film, I Am Gen Z, um, who is a key player really in in, in bringing Preston um, to the place where we are now, where we're starting this organization. Absolutely.
0: So, Preston, we uh, may not be as familiar with you, but a lot of other people might be. Will you just tell us a little bit about yourself and... and, and um why? Uh, why you become so involved in uh, uh, this council?
2: Absolutely. So that's kind of a it's kind of a big question. I, I mean, I okay, summarize
3: so, your entire existence.
0: <laughs>
2: right. <laughs> Double um, space, please. Um, good thing I brought notes. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's, right. that's good. Um, notes about who you are. Okay. Who right. am I? I know who am I. Yeah. Um, so I currently have about two hundred and eighty thousand followers on TikTok. What? I, yeah, I, um, I know everybody's like,
1: what? It's okay, like, sorry, crazy. I'm going to, I'm hey, you're, you're,
3: hey, we've got a good 65 listeners
1: uh, every two weeks.
3: <laughs> I, my, my, okay, we don't need to talk about our failings, but uh, can I, can I, I'm going to, I will tell you, Preston, I am about to sound very old, which I am. So does that make you an influencer?
2: Um, I would consider it like a micro influencer. Yeah. It depends on the platform. Okay. Um, There's, I mean, there's Two hundred eighty thousand is micro. I mean, there's like people with millions, Uh millions. I mean, I think Charlie D'Amelio has like more, um, uh, followers than some countries. So yeah, it's crazy. Um, I can really get up there, but, um, my journey kind of started back in about 2019, like before the pandemic, uh, I, that's whenever I first started my TikTok account. It used to be Musical.ly, but it got rebranded into TikTok. Um, during that time, I was actually affected by uh, hidden homelessness, um, which um, for those of you that don't know, don't know what homeless or hidden homelessness is, um, they're individuals who um, live temporarily with others um, without a permanent home, usually going through like a traumatic change in life. Um, they lack access to housing support resources and um, can't be identified systematically, so they're hidden from national statistics on homelessness. Um, I was actually living with a friend at a time because I was kicked out of my home. Um, so it was kind of a, a traumatic period, kind of figuring out what I, who I am, really, um, what I wanted to do with my life because I had previously gone to OTC before um, back in uh, 2017, 2018, but had dropped out because I really didn't know where I was going. I was fresh out of high school. And through TikTok, I feel like I've really gained a purpose of who I am, um, recognizing the, uh, like the failures in the system that need to be addressed and fixed and, um, r- really just mental health issues that I, almost everybody deals with, um, just little things to major things. Um, so, yeah. so
3: what, what is your, is your content conscience, conscious of that? Or is your content far more like slice of life? Here's some music I like to do (laughs) stuff like that.
2: So it kind of started off as like a creative outlet. So I'm a makeup artist. Um, it mainly was like comedic content with like a little bit of like uh, a little dash of like makeup content Mm -hmm. or really whatever I wanted to, to post at the time. Um, but I feel like now my my content's a little bit more geared towards inspiring others to like be the change that they wish to see in the world or at least whenever I do have the the courage to post which we'll talk about that a little bit going on later um but that's I, that is phenomenal i have done some work
3: with the OTC foundation here on campus and when i did some work with them i had to do some research about homelessness and one of the things they helped illuminate for me is that the homelessness that I'm the stereotype of homelessness are the you know the the people on the street. There's a there's a more technical term for them that I can't think of at this moment. Mm-hmm. But anyways, I, that's not the way we should think about homelessness. And the way you say it, hidden homelessness, it was hidden from me. Mm-hmm. The, we should think of it more broadly as home insecure, mm-hmm. and as was defined for me, thanks to my friends at the foundation it's people who aren't as certain about where they're going to be staying in any given night. And that's, you know, that fits the description. It's a much broader description than what we typically associate with, uh, with, with people who are, you know, um, with, with ho- the word homelessness instead of just the people that we see sometimes, um, street corners and pitch hiking. And,
2: and if I'm being honest, I, if I didn't have that one friend at that one time, I would have been on the streets. I would have stayed in my, in my car in the Walmart parking lot because I I had to figure out where I could sleep in my car that was legal for me to sleep in my car. Um, that was it, it. Really, just it hit me all at once. It was so sudden, and if I didn't have that one friend at that one time, that would have been me. I, I would have been. On were you streets. a student at the time? No, no, I had already dropped out.
3: Yeah, we. Had, it's a classic sliding doors type situation, and I'm particularly sensitive to it because. Um, I had a a previous job uh, as a dispatcher at 911 and people called about who I might stereotypically think of as homeless people all the time. This guy's sleeping on private property. Can you get him out? this guy's sleeping on public property. Can you get him out? I'm like, we're... Where is the guy supposed to go exactly yeah. to sleep? Yeah. Anyway, so I'm a little more in tune to that. At least I thought I was until I got an opportunity to kind of expand my thinking as to that population.
2: That actually reminds me, as I was actually walking into the building today, I saw a really nice um, quote from the Dalai Lama. Um, Compassion is the, uh, let me wrote it down. Compassion is the radicalism of our time. Hmm. That really, it really hit home. Really, yeah, really I, hit I think about that
3: sometimes because I, I come at this from a political angle because that is I'm a political science instructor and I think it was two or three years ago the Pope came out with like here's like four or five things we as a society really need to work on and I thought to myself if he gave that speech as an American politician not as the Pope but as an American politician he'd be run out on a rail Um so that there is something to say about that. I don't know what it is about our minds that when we start thinking
2: politically, the humanitarianism
3: is the first
2: thing to go, it seems. I feel like it definitely has to do with like factionalism and like yeah. wanting to have a, a, a sense of community to belong to and um, whether those ideals um, within that certain... Um, either political organization or religious or really anything, honestly, Um, whether they really align with our core values or not. I mean, it's really easy just to lose what you want, what you want to do. Could you substitute
3: for my class if I asked you to? (laughs) That is so well said. Well, thank you. So well said. Matter of fact, I think I've been dancing around themes for years that I wasn't able to voice that well. Let's get... uh, So... When you get to 280,000 followers, did that happen because you went, quote unquote, viral here or there, or is it because steady over time, people just attracted to the stuff you did or some combination?
2: It's a a little combination of both. If you do not post regularly, you have less of a chance to get on the free page. Uh, You have to post. um, Well, I was told by many of my friends that in order to have more chances of going viral, Um, Post at least three times daily. Hmm. So just to back up a little bit,
0: um, for for our other listeners, like you know, imagining they weren't you know hip and down with the talking and the ticking like I am, uh, and us you know youthful cats. Your description of it proved that you are not hip or down. (laughs) I uh, I think I think there's plenty of people that would beg to differ. Uh, What? How would you explain TikTok to someone? Uh, never seen it before in their life just walked in and and needed to be able to use it like just a little background on it
2: man (laughs) um i feel like i have two different answers um one is my answer now and one is my answer whenever i first started whenever i first started i would say it's purely a creative outlet um designed for entertainment um now i would say it can be it can be that that absolutely it can be that but it can be a scary place it can be a place where you lose your hope it can be a, a place where you lose your safety how do you figure so going back um kind of like to the origin story so back in twenty twenty this is
3: fascinating to me <laughs>
2: uh-huh. for real um back in 2020 i had posted a video in response to a uh a video that i saw of so let me kind of backtrack a little bit you can duet on tiktok it's yes. called duet mm-hmm. and you can uh, take somebody else's video and add a video separate to it and kind of add more information to it so that original video was some like a discriminatory video making fun and mocking the uh, orlando pulse shooting um which killed 49 victims um so immediately when I saw that being somebody in the LGBTQ community, it was so disheartening. It was it was infuriating. And the only thing in my mind was hatred. Um, and I immediately just recorded a video um, and was like, this is not OK. This is not something that you can do to to anybody. Everybody's worthy of love and respect. Everybody's worthy of of happiness and
3: we should mention, just for anybody who might not know, that the poll shooting was uh, an anti-LGBTQ, I think
2: it's probably safe to say that, yeah, motivated yeah. mass shooting. Absolutely. Um, seeing somebody just blatantly make fun of somebody who, I mean, that could happen tomorrow here in Springfield. I, there was there was a, a, a gay couple that was beat up in the parking garage here uh, last year, and... It's, it's just terrifying. It's terrifying. It, like these things, they just happen. You know, when we think about freedom in our society,
3: I think the way we talk about it, it's all wrong, especially again in, in politics, which I'm sure you could voice better than I could at this point. We tend to think of it as a light switch. You either have freedom or you don't. But I always felt that we should talk about it like it's a dimmer switch. Where it's not about Mm -hmm. keeping or losing. It's about how much direct, free, unrestrained behavior do we want. Um, Free, unrestrained behavior is fantastic. It's very free. But in doing so, you're risking a lack of order. Now, one thing you could do is you could further restrain or regulate human behavior that may increase order in society, but it stifles the central cores of us. Mm And um, now that it's massive, now that TikTok is massive, you know, Twitter is, even though Twitter's older, it's kind of going through the growth pains that with, with the new ownership that TikTok has long been going through, which is how do you allow for this amazing platform for people to be either their truest selves or stylized versions of themselves without letting the monsters overrun it? And I don't know what the answer to that is. And I regret that In your exploring, because you weren't just expressing yourself, you're also at that time in your life exploring who you are and how you want to exist on that platform. Exactly, and how I want to
2: exist on the planet. Really, (laughs) how I, who I want to be. Well said. Yeah, who I, like my my core values. Those, that's I really needed to just understand Mm -hmm. where I am as a person and where I want to become with my life. Where I want to build myself towards. And
3: that's why I am of the opinion, and I've said this before, um, so I don't think this is new news, but I just think your generation has it harder because Jared and I and, and Jane, we all had to explore who we were, but we got to do it in relative anonymity. We got to do it in our homes. We got to do it in our schools. And if, you know, the problem with exploring yourself is that you don't really bump into bumpers, you bump into pitchforks. And... Gosh, if we ran into those, we could just go into our rooms and shut the door, and the world left us alone. It's not possible in the digital age. Exactly. And so you have to deal with that on a scale. Um, even if you did, even if you had two hundred and eighty followers, you have to deal with that on a scale that we simply never had to. Um, do you think about that every time before you hit send? If you hit send, I actually don't know what you hit. But <laughs> do you? Do you think about that? You're like, are the monsters going to overrun? Do, how much do you even think about that these days?
2: these days, I have a hard time getting myself to pull up the app. I, I mean, the past four months, I've probably posted like maybe four times. Um, I actually get paid through Instagram reels and like, I, I have a, a kind of like a, it's like a budget. I can post, um, however much I want to, mm-hmm. depending on the amount of views I get paid a certain amount up to, Um, like a cutoff Uh, even though I have the ability to get paid through this I still can't find it in me to post uh, because of the things that I've went through online which uh, kind of brings me back to whenever I posted that that video in response to the um, like the Orlando Pulse shooting uh, the guy making fun of that I it had received 4.6 million views Mm. Um, which is massive, and, but in my mind, it's like that is just another number. It's just like like there is no difference between if I posted and got two views and posted and got 4.6 million. Um, the moral of the story for me is that I still posted. I still tried to do what I could to make a difference. Um, but in kind of the crossfire of all of that, the algorithm kind of shifted um, a little bit as that person had commented on my video and tagged a couple people and those people tagged people and it just kind of it was like a snowball it yeah. was like going down a hill gradually becoming bigger and bigger to where I would scroll on my for you page and there would be things that were like white supremacists there would be things that were that were saying that I people in my community need to die people in the LGBT lgbtq community need to die and that's so scary and disheartening that that stuff just exists on the internet i'm interested
3: in the near term future of that because there have been uh i believe there was a supreme court case that established that social networks like that and more to the point youtube um can't be held criminally liable or i think even civilly liable if somebody is using their website to promote hateful, promote hate of any kind. Right. But there's now a new suit and it raises exactly what you're talking about, which is what if the site doesn't just host those terrible things and perform some due diligence to remove them? What if they, their algorithm actually promotes it and it leads to actionable consequences in the worst possible way? Can they then be civilly or criminally liable? And right now, as I sit in front of you, we're waiting to hear
2: eventually what that ruling might be. I'd be so interested to see how that plays out because, I mean, Tim Kendall, the creator of the social media algorithm that we have today, um, he's in I Am Gen Z in the, the film that I'm in. And he was speaking about how his just, purely his creation of this this thing that Zuckerberg was like hey we need we need to get more users on on here we need to get people screen addicted basically now the suicide rate has gone up so much more than it was before now there's so much division within society you know, we've we've had whistleblowers from Instagram and Facebook in front
3: of congress saying exactly. we are listen we're getting this data saying that young teenage girls are offing themselves i'm sad to say yes. because of stuff they're getting directly from our website Um, and you know we've seen these social media sites not worry as much about that as perhaps they should Mm -hmm. anyways uh, uh, thank you so much for bringing uh, enlightenment to that you have an entire i just looked it up on my phone you have an entire toledo ohio that follows you on tiktok that is we we need to understand that's not just a number that's like essentially a city and there's just no way no matter, you could post the most innocuous thing on the planet. You're going to have a handful of people who are monsters about it, mm-hmm. and uh, I just don't know how you deal with. I have a YouTube page that has 70 followers. Not that many people want to watch hour-long
2: political lectures, apparently. But even then, <laughs> I still get a mean comment from time to time, and it doesn't I mean, feel very good. It kind of it kind of evolved from just like just the social media algorithm scrolling and seeing all the all of these scary things, leading into that algorithm kind of flipping in and putting those people that, that believe those things more likely to interact with my videos. So it's putting and, you in front of them. Exactly, exactly. And what had happened with that was it gained the... I, I mean, we kind of talked about this with factionalism. There was like a group of people who... All of their profile pictures were, um, I mean, it's so messed up, but it's it's George Floyd. Um, And they were talking about how they were white supremacists, how they're anti-woman, anti-gay, all of these things, all of these things. And they weren't just commenting like hate comments. It was telling me to, to turn a gun around and shoot me to shoot myself to to kill myself to that i just don't deserve rights i don't deserve to live i don't deserve anything and to see that i mean i've had people tell me just oh don't look at your comments don't look at your comments i can't like i can't it's it's it, it pops up on my phone i mean i can mute my my comments but then I'm ignoring all of, my, all of the people who have showed me support, all the people that have showed me love. And then it, it got so far as to these, these groups were posting my account and sending more people over to which these people had gone over into my Instagram um, direct messages and sent me my address and told me that they were coming to kill me. And how old are you? How old are you at the time? And, and at the time? I was, oh my gosh, I'm so bad at math. Twenty, 21, <laughs> 22. <Yeah. laughs> Two is the <laughs> number you're looking Regardless, for.
0: Regardless, <laughs> you know, if, even if you said 22, that that's my point, right? This is,
3: you know. Yeah. Uh, so actually, uh, uh, I'm obviously, I cannot ex- existentially apologize on behalf of the universe enough <laughs> to you. I do see how those experiences lead to the Student Engagement Council. Student engagement ca- Engagement Council is... I assume in your mind and hopefully in practice the antidote. Yes. It is the place where um one size can fit all. It is the complete opposite of xenophobia. Exactly. Maybe it's xenophilia where we're like, you know, what we're looking for is whoever you are um, we can welcome you not just on the surface but deep down who you are exactly and um,
2: and not just welcome yeah. but but learn and, and engage and, and understand more about each other because yeah. I find I find it to be so beautiful to see everybody's differences rather than hating on somebody for their differences I find it to be beautiful to understand them and to see where they're coming from the everything that that made them who they are I mean I at the surface level I'm one of the founding members of student engagement council but it goes so much deeper than that mm. for me it's something that like i mean the the missouri department of mental health um the behavioral health Epidemi- uh oh my gosh okay. <laughs> epidemiology work group in 2018 posted a bulletin um the rate of lgbtq suicide attempts in missouri is nearly five times that of straight youth and higher substance use and um higher symptoms of depression so it's it's an antidote for mental health i I don't want to say it's an antidote but it's definitely a step towards a community towards a loving
3: community i i I never understood why people got really crabby about that phrase safe spaces they're like here we go mm -hmm. college kids need safe spaces
2: yeah in high school i think we all do in high school some teachers would put that on their their Mm -hmm. classrooms and people would rip them down people would rip down uh flyers for the the gsa that we had in in nixa
0: i think it's another sign of what you brought up and when you say factionality, right and it's this idea that some people's identity requires another it requires an enemy and defining yourself by what you're not as if anything other than yourself is some kind of threat.
2: Yeah, I actually have in my phone notes. um, I'm like, I'm really big into meditation and and Mm -hmm. wellness. And one of my notes on my phone says, "I, because of who I am, I am an enemy to a lot of people. But I am not an enemy to them. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that really reflects, I saw in Pride, uh, they were filming me for Liz's next uh, document or not. Yeah. Documentary, the deadline. Um, will she come back for that one? I hope, I hope so. Yeah. I hope so. She, she asked if she could, uh, awesome. whenever she, uh, whenever we did the town hall. Um, but one of the churches there, it said we are not for everyone because we're for everyone. And that was like, Oh wow. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just like, it, it gave me goosebumps. Yeah, to, that's to very see very powerful...
3: Med- do you meditate, Jared? You seem like somebody who would meditate.
0: Uh, I, I'm i terrible at it. I have, and I come back and forth to it because my mind just... I, it's hard for me to turn it off.
3: I did, um, back during COVID, um, our good friend Stephanie Davenport ran a Zoom um, yoga session that anybody in yoga. faculty do some Zoom yoga. And I remember giving it a try i've never done yoga but she did it on zoom and i followed her and she did a great job but man i hated it i just the whole point of just staying still <laughs> and letting your mind erase itself i'm like I, I can't do that people do that they erase their minds and stuff <laughs> I i admire people that can do it i i treasure that folks find that space and need it and go get it but i mean it's just it's, not it's my difficult. gear it's hard to to you weren't
2: a natural to it you had
3: oh to, no uh, no okay well I that mean, gives me mind, some hope that gives I me some have hope. Like the, <laughs> i feel like i retrain. have the most
2: anxiety out of everybody that i know i'm con- i mean i'm shaking right now and it's not even because i'm nervous i'm just anxious all the time jane how
3: but. much meditation is your in your bag of tricks uh,
1: not much not much okay <laughs> all right
3: that maybe needs to we be should. Uh, that needs to be the next student club. So. Yeah, maybe a <laughs> meditation club.
2: We, I actually wrote down um, for the student engagement council one of the things that we could do is like a group meditation or like a that's group cool. yoga. That would be a. That would be very fun. Gosh, so what you, what we
3: should do. They, I think they have this in. I want to say Rogersville. They have the goats yoga. Can we yes. just, can we do a can partnership a and bring goats? in some goats? Yeah.
0: <laughs> hey, don't we have some, are there goats up at RVC Yeah. As a matter of fact, uh, yeah.
3: this could totally happen. i Rob wanted, flatness. We're
0: coming for you, man. Let's not forget this. Put a pin in it. We'll, we'll talk about it later. Uh, so I, I, I don't want some things to get lost here. Uh, I, I want to talk about, you, you keep mentioning the, the Gen Z documentary that you're a part of that. I want to get there, but, um, I'm glad you came, and and I and, and I I really appreciate you sharing all this with us, right? Um, you know, for for me and Andrew, uh, uh, getting older, um, not only just talking to you know, he made a reference to you know uh, looking at differences in generation, um, but you know, having the opportunity to 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 just be okay with being you right? Isn't maybe something that we've run into or had problems with. And so sometimes when you hear it, it's jarring, right? And it, but it's so necessary, right? Because until you can identify the idea that there are people with perspectives that I'm just not going to understand, right? Because I haven't experienced it. Right. And until you can admit that, and you know, that's a huge, I think growth for a lot of people and where we get to this idea of how compassion can stop being radical exactly right but just natural um so to that the the other thing i want to point out here i I just want to ask is during this time uh, again where where did where did school come in how did this interplay with school
2: school kind of came in after um liz used that video for um the for the documentary the tiktok that i posted the orlando one Um, with all of the, the harassment that I endured, all of the just fear that I accumulated and trauma that I had to work through, I realized that there's, that my purpose wasn't just to, to do influencing or whatever. It's to I want to help with mental health. I want, I want to be a counselor. I want to be somebody that can help create the change that I want to see in the world, um, based out of compassion and, and love and respect. So it was that, that moment that I decided I need to go for behavioral health. I need to go for like psychology or counseling. So I, I was going to go a semester prior, um, but I was still kind of homeless and and dealing with that. Eventually, I was able to build myself up. I got I, w- uh, I was the manager at Dunkin' Donuts here um, off of Campbell, and from that, from building myself up, I realized it was time to to put my foot down, get on my feet, and go back to college and and really strive for something work at something so it was about fall of 2021 is whenever i i went back to college and i'm graduating next semester congratulations thank you
3: once again though it's like a perfect example of what jane and i were talking about earlier is you get these fantastic people that do pretty much everything you want the college to do but the problem is you guys are amazing and you're out of here in a few semesters <laughs> and we have to find another <laughs> find another Preston. that's hard to do um but uh, uh thank you for sharing that Um, So you see in your mind's eye a a career in behavioral health in particular. Absolutely. So valuable. I can't imagine anything worse than being somebody who feels like they're in crisis mode, needing a degree of counseling. They sit in somebody's office. They say, this version I am isn't clicking with the world. What do I need to do? And that person says, well, you need to change in order to fit the world. No, you need, I think, somebody like yourself and student engagement counsel who can say, well, the version you are is perfectly acceptable we just need to find a way to you know get you comfortable in your own skin
2: and such absolutely absolutely
0: so tell us a little bit about this documentary and and who's the director i'm sorry liz smith
2: liz smith so tell us a little bit about liz smith how you got involved and and what the documentary is so she had reached out from the because she saw the tiktok um that i posted and she was like hey can i use this in my documentary i think she she had somebody else reach out for her and i was like Oh my God, it's a scam. Yeah, <laughs> I, that I've, would totally seen, be my reaction yeah. as well. <laughs> I've seen so many like message requests from fake companies that want you to buy a certain amount and be like a brand ambassador. Um, spend $40 yeah. and we'll send you a t shirt and you can post it. <laughs> <laughs> and we what's, might repost it. <laughs> what's quality control? What do you do to determine that she is real? Um, so uh, I was like, can you send me like all of the logistics of it? Can you send me like your, ah. like the um, company that you're, you're working through is entertaining TV based out of the UK. And I was like, okay, I was like, she, all she's asking for is, um, to sign the rights for the video for them to use. So I was like, okay. So then time kind of went through and I, I, I got closer with Liz and we messaged a lot and I started to really understand A lot more not just about myself but about the world that i lived in and my generation and um, my parents generations and the first time that i saw myself on the the documentary she sent like a little link before it was released and i was like oh my gosh (laughs) like holy crap i feel like i'm like on cloud nine right now um it was really wild but that was actually after i had received all of the death threats all of the the um videos of of people being killed mm-hmm. and and all of that and i um sorry what was uh, how you got involved with uh,
3: <laughs> the the journey to I am Gemini.
2: It's Z. that TikTok brain. It's so, like quick
0: yeah. <laughs> <yeah. laughs> <laughs> bites. What so what nice. the documentary is and how you got so you, yes, you're, yes, so you so she kind of contacted you. You weren't sure if this was a real thing. You now know that she's real.
2: Yes, yes. So um she was like, "Hey, I was explaining my my situation with what I was going through and she was like, "Wow, that's actually really It's that's an important story to talk about in relation to the film. So um, I was flown out to the United Nations Association Film Festival in um, where uh, Palo Alto, California, Silicon Valley, and I um, was able to sit there and and talk about my story in front of um, like Stanford professors and and people just that would just listen to me and it it felt so amazing to see people hearing my story and. And to take something from it, because it's one thing to go through something, but it's another thing to learn from it and to have other people learn from it as well. I can take this traumatic situation and I can ball up and cry every night, um, which I did for a long time, um, or I can I can find that growth within myself and I can help others with it.
3: When you saw yourself in the documentary, a documentary assembled by a pro. Did you see yourself and you're like, gosh, that's good. I, <laughs> I have been on uh, the subject of I, uh, OTC has been the subject of an NBC nightly news story like the Lester Holt introduced us. And he talked about the fact that this was back in the height of the recession. We were offering 10 p.m. and 1130 p.m. classes. And they brought in a gigantic 4D camera and shot my classroom and then like a 30 second clip of of no sound. I'm just B-roll, right? And I'm teaching <laughs> to the class, but in the hands of professionals, you look at it and you're like, "Gosh, that looks good. I look like I know what I'm doing." I, I look at I sound awesome. Did you think that? Would
2: you so saw that? It was actually like during the height of the pandemic. So, I she wasn't able to come over and like film me, film me. So, what what she had me do was send a couple clips in, mm-hmm. and then she used that TikTok. Um, but now uh, now that there's the tra- less travel restrictions, she was able to fly over and film me this time for the deadline. So, seeing me in this documentary, I was like, "Oh, it's my TikTok!" Like mm-hmm. in something that that is like larger than myself. And then feeding, now, feeding the exact purpose that you're wanting to embody. Yourself, exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, and that's something too. Is that I I find it to be so amazing that um, the more that I'm going down my path of of figuring out my journey where i want to go the more that these doors just keep opening and i'm so incredibly thankful for it mm-hmm. i'm so thankful for it um but i can't wait to see myself in the deadline cuz that that i mean it's it really highlights what's going on across the world right now um so the deadline is how we are going to battle um well i guess i should say it's it's like it's Populism versus progressivism across the world, and the added layer of battling climate change on top of that. How we're we're all so intertwined in our own our own psychology, our own factions, Um, and yet we have this this added layer of like a a third of Pakistan was underwater. Mm. You know, like we we have so much that we need to do uh, in so little time. And how are we going to how are we going to get there if we're all separated? Uh, Jared, any ideas?
3: <laughs> how are we going to get there if we're all separated? Jared?
0: I think some of the things you've start, you've talked about so far is is the beginning of it. Right. Because it it starts with us coming together. But like you said, I mean, the, 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 when I talk about climate change in 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 classes, right, I um, I the example I use is is what we're dealing with when, when we talk about this is is it's if. Uh, someone had the opinion that there weren't owls, right? And, man, you can have that opinion and you can have a really good argument and you can say other people talked about it, but I can walk you into a forest and show you owls. I think I stole that from John Oliver. I should, I should mention that. Uh, and so, you know, getting to a solution when we can't start at there is a problem Man, yeah. How do you figure out how to solution? And, and this doesn't, you know, and this in a lot of ways parallels, you know, some of the, the struggles you're talking about going through, where you're starting out with 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 human beings that don't see you as a human being. Exactly. So how do you how do we talk about a solution when they don't see that as a problem, right? And so uh, uh, I don't know if I helped any, it, it, but I, I I can't go any you know, I, I just have to start with all the good examples I've seen and they always start with, well, I show love, right? Mm-hmm. I I show compassion. Uh, I, I I be the best example I can. And, and it sounds like that's that's really what you're doing and you figured that out 20 years before I did. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so that takes a lot of maturity and, and wisdom. And I think something that I, I really want to point out is as an individual, I mean, we have we have this question of, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? And for us, that's that's way larger than us. That we have no idea what to do. But what, what together, do you mean? like, like, what climate, are we going to do? What are we going to do about um, a system that's broken? What are we going to do about a, a world that doesn't see you as who you are? Mm-hmm. What are we going to do about climate change? What are we going to do about all of these issues? But for me, it's like. answer is so clear it's it's not it's not an individual process we we can never find the the answer if we're so divided there are so many beautiful minds out there minds that that don't have access to go to college minds that that have so many things that have that they've been through that might have the answer but we can only find that together. We can only find that in unity. So I was
3: actually listening to Jared just now, and the answer I had in my head was a much less elegant uh, version of what you said. Because I think so long as there's 7 billion people on the planet, I do not think it is possible to build a reality where we all celebrate each other 100%. There are I, I just don't think there's any way mm-hmm. to avoid the fact that there are going to be what I have called a couple times already, monsters among us. Yeah. I don't think you can do that. Now, what I think you can do is what you are describing, and I will rephrase it as coalition building. We can build a coalition of people that can build bridges with each other and uh, love each other as neighbors and appreciate each other and accept, you know, the vast majority of lifestyle choices. vast vast majority of lifestyle choices, and we can build a coalition that is so big and um, broad Mm -hmm. that it will push these folks so far to the margins that it will render them irrelevant the problem with that right now because I feel like as a society we've been trending that way in the 21st century but the problem is is that they've really found a grip on social media social media and really the internet in general amplifies their voice far louder then I think they exist. I haven't conducted
2: studies to measure exactly. But. And another thing is because of that amplification, it's becoming more and more relevant. More and more yeah. people are falling into that. Um, and for me, I would, I would consider that to be brainwashing. I would consider that to be, I mean, I mean look at your own individual core values. Do that reflect, Does that reflect where you want to go? with um a political movement. Does that reflect where you want to go with your life? And something that we have said over
3: and over again that Jared said very well earlier is that it's far too common, especially in America in twenty twenty two, it's far too common for people to define themselves by, you know, I don't like X. I'm going after X. Whatever vehicle politically I have to take to get there, I'm going for it. And um and I, in doing that, I don't care about your politics in doing that. I feel like you'll lose a little bit of the humanization that we need and you lose track of what we're kind of gunning for here, which is in my opinion, just my opinion, incremental growth towards a better tomorrow. Yes. Um, but you'll lose that when gigantic washes of society are
2: really just defining themselves by, we have to stop the other side another another one of my mantras in my in my phone notes is i have no i hold no hate for anything except hatred itself hmm your phone notes is worth my it my phone notes oh i could sell them on amazon yeah. i could sell them on amazon no. so i
0: might be speaking from bias here but you know a lot of this i think initially starts with education right and mm-hmm. and development of, of critical thinking yes um and and that's where you know there are there are arguments made that clearly you know and, and i like the way you put it earlier where it, it's, a, it's a matter of people having access. So rather than blame the person, right, talk about how do we provide people the same opportunities that have given us the gifts that we have, right? right? Um, and, and, and so, you know, a big part of this conversation should be um, education. There might also be some answer, and have you seen the recent Nobel Prize in Physics no uh maybe there's some you know comfort here in that it turns out that uh uh there is no such thing really as reality locally uh and so we may we may we
3: may have an easier out no that is um what do you mean like phonology am I saying that right where it's like we we can't have a shared reality because our biases are so intractable no it's a little more physical than
0: that hmm. the, the the idea that uh the universe is not locally real um, so that uh, when you look at quantum mechanics, the way that particles interact at distances suggests that perhaps uh, we influence or uh, consciousness observation in some way changes reality such that it, it may not be real. Uh, oh my
3: gosh, that is some Ant Man stuff. Yeah, I, and I'm not doing. I'm really, not doing a good job of explaining uh, this, but you, you might you might check out this paper. One of, my, one of my I'm, I'm th- leading off on th- a, One of my favorite theories in um, when I took uh, uh, epistemology in college was this. Uh, one thing we know is that we we aren't a hundred percent sure that we can trust our senses are feeding us real information. Mm-hmm. We also we can't really know if there's a malevolent god putting us in a simulation or anything lying to us with our, everything we observe. But what we can say is that there's an obser- there is a adverbial theory of perception and what the adverbial theory says is um, if I'm looking at a green field, I don't objectively know if what I'm seeing is a green field, but if I'm just pixels in a computer. But what I can say is that I'm seeing green fieldy like <laughs> is the idea. And so that's what the, the argument there is and this is philosophy, not, you know, physics. But the we don't really know what we're seeing. I don't really know I'm looking at Preston, but I know I'm seeing a Prestonly kind of way when I look at him. I thought about that very hard because at the time I was in college and I was on spring break in the lake. I was hanging out in the lake and I was drifting around in my swimsuit and I was thinking, Am I really in a lake? Or am I floating around in a lakey kind of way? I don't really know. But then I was like, nah, forget it. I'm in a lake.
2: I know it's like are we gonna like whenever we pass away, are we gonna just like wake up and there's like this We're in the middle of a dream or something. We're like, oh man, this actually on some alien planet. That's actually
3: what happened, Preston. You uh, when you when you after you passed away, you woke up in this room getting podcast interviews. Oh man, yeah, I know. (laughs) Depending on your depending how long this goes, it could be heaven or hell. I'm I'm sorry. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So uh,
0: let's lift it up a little bit. So you know, I I really appreciate too that that you know um, sometimes. Sometimes it's, it's the most uh, reassuring to me when someone shares their experience and they go, but it's not a sad story, and here's why, right? Because yeah. we do, I mean, you know, where we all overlap is that, you know, as humans, we we do suffer, right? And yeah. we, we go through experiences, they're, they're varied, right? But um, I think we can relate to that idea that... I think
2: everybody can relate to the idea of suffering. Yeah. I think, that, I think that's really a... a a common thing in the human experience of that that's where it unites us all we all suffer
0: and so then it's inspiring right to go i did yet here i am you know prevailing and not only prevailing but thinking about someone other than myself right Mm -hmm. so for both you and jane tell us someone um that inspired you someone you look up to someone that you want to share with the audience that you think might be inspiring for them do
2: you want to go first jane
1: uh, sure. So, I I was thinking about um, Mike Rose, who was the person that I read that really changed the way that I thought about students. Um, he wrote "Lives on the Boundary," and um, was a an important um, developmental educator, and and saw every student as a scholar with potential, right? So I, I think the story that Preston tells us is one that as educators, we need to go into our classroom and understand that every one of these people may not tell us their full story, but they all have one. And it might, a lot of students Preston's age have similar stories, right? They have these experiences uh, with social media that are often pretty bad right so I was telling Preston earlier that I think an algorithm is sort of like a bad relationship in a lifetime movie right so that at first it seems like it really understands you and it, it introduces you to people who you want to know and who are interested in you and it feels like you're in this world that you've been looking for for a long time but it separates you from The people outside of that isolated place where an algorithm takes you. And so I think Student Engagement Council is a place for us to get our students out of that isolated world that they might be in and back into a world where they can know each other as people and not just as others, right? So um, I feel like Mike Rose was the person that made me understand where my students are and where they're coming from um, and where I can take them and that they can go anywhere, right? Which is our our OTC motto too, right?
2: Yeah. I guess the person that I... I don't want to say necessarily look up to... I mean, I do look up to him, but um, I'm more inspired by him. Um, It's my little brother. He's nine. Um, He is just the kindest little kid ever and I see a lot of myself in him and we're we're half siblings so he has a different dad um but even then like he looks so much like me when I was younger um so like I I really just he's been through so much at such an early age and his ability to maintain kindness at such an early age um and to to really S- just support me and support his mom. I mean, if I'm crying, if my mom's crying, he'll. the first thing he does is comforts them. And that's, I mean, he's nine. That's like, it's just so amazing. So amazing.
1: I wonder, Preston, how your younger brother can have so much empathy when you just don't have any at <laughs> all. I I, I'm just the
2: <laughs> worst person ever. I'm I wonder so about that. Is
3: it... Um, <laughs> Nature or nurture? Is he made that compassionate or is he able to observe you and feed off that, uh, as you model it so well, or is it a mishmash of the two?
2: I, I think, I mean, I can definitely say that, I mean, I've been there for him through hard times through like, um, his parents' divorce. Um, but like, it's just, I Regardless, either way, honestly, either way, it's amazing to me. Yeah.
1: So, isn't he lovely? He
2: is. I'm he so, so glad. This is, <laughs> as I was saying, this is uh, kind of the
3: first time somebody has uh, sublet their own interview. I'm glad you did, though. What a great, a great opportunity. made a good to do. choice. Very good choice. Uh, uh, it's kind of pinched in on our time getting to know you, but I've just had too much fun getting to know Press <laughs> and learning about him and his experiences. You know, and, you know,
0: I, I think, and part of your idea, Jane, too, was for. Um, you know, the people who listen uh, to this podcast are the people that are teaching uh, our students. And Preston is this, you know, model of our students and and better understanding your experience, you know, because we we didn't have TikTok, right? We didn't have, you know, I had bullies. I had, you know, uh, interactions with people that were unpleasant, but I didn't have that kind of access. And as you're talking about this kind of, you know, this AI driven access that, just seems to be you know as you know speaking from having in, in you having children
3: and 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 my you know knowing my stepson's online it's terrifying i there it t- whenever to the moment um my oldest daughter will say posts some sort of tiktok craze tries to get involved in it and god forbid commits the sin of doing a bad job and then yeah. she has to listen to or see as any number of these creeps come out of the shadows and tell her how awful she is and how yeah. stupid that was. And, um, God forbid anything that Preston's had to endure be thrown her way. But I, I can't see any reality where that doesn't inevitably happen at some point and didn't happen to me. I had to deal with my own degrees of stuff, but I could segregate myself from it because the internet hadn't been a thing yet. Yeah. But, you know, Preston's had to Um, his brother. I'm sad to say will have to my both of my daughters will have to. I mean, it's just it's the rite of passage that you wish didn't exist. And you need to learn algebra.
0: (laughs) Right. And so, you know, and I'm still that is I'm still an advocate for it. I think I'm just pointing out like that's one of the things I don't always put into my list of because it's a long list, right, of things I need to be aware of or consider as I plan my classroom, as I plan, you know, my interactions. Um, not, again, to put any one thing on one person, but, you know, the, I think you pointed it out when you said there are all these things and climate change, right? <laughs> um, and we really have hit a point where uh, maybe – Maybe, you know, we need a few more TikToks on that, right? We, we, need, we need more of that conversation. Okay. Um, so one of the um, thing, other things that we'd like to ask, maybe this question can help too as we think about solutions. Uh, Gumby
3: versus Mr. Ed, battle oh, to the death. Who This wins? isn't, isn't going to build bridges. It's only going to run a deep division through our society.
0: I don't think it has to go that way. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> we're actually kind of retiring this question, and this might be the last of the, well, no. After this episode, we're going to be at MCCA. Oh, yeah. We haven't talked much about that. No, and not that, yet. That'll be kind of a surprise. Uh-huh. And that's where we'll officially retire that question Yeah. before we make T-shirts. Okay. Our, 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 I, I feel like I'm losing you, too. And, uh, what do you mean? Uh, on this, uh, on, on, on where I see the value of this question in the podcast.
3: Uh, all I know is that I've, I've made more enemies than friends since we've started asking this question. Clearly take it yeah. aside. <laughs> Although I, I share some responsibility there. Are we creating more factionism by this? I will say that my, f- m- the reason why I back Gumby in this particular debate does not have to do with how I feel about the Mr. Ed people. So I am keeping my humanization in- intact by defending going to the mat for Gumby. Remember that going forward. Okay,
0: I'll do the best Gumby I can. Gumby versus Mr. Ed, battle to the death. Who went? Okay,
1: so I'm going to explain to Preston. <laughs>
0: oh.
2: Yes, I'm Gen Z. Okay, I, I understand here we go. like half of that. Yeah.
1: So, <laughs> <laughs> Gumby was this little guy who was made out of like gummy rubber. And he was maybe, I don't know, three inches tall. And, um,
3: we do not have a can- canonical size for Gumby.
0: <laughs> there is some
3: debate based on the lore of his ability to stretch. <laughs> okay.
1: So yes, and he was stretchy, right? Mr. Ed was a talking horse who had to be kept a secret. Yeah. So here's here's what I'm gonna say is that they decided that they did not have to fight, and that whoever said they had to battle to the death was wrong. So that altruistic. They could be friends and. Take care of each
3: other. Oh my goodness. And
1: see past their differences. We need to
3: put you in like the the bucket with Dr. Barrett and Jennifer Bump who kind of (laughs) tapped out of this particular question because (laughs) they thought that they were like, surely they'll work out their differences. That's not the question. The question is if they're out for blood or whatever it is Gumby subsists on. Maybe that's the best ending to it though, right?
0: Maybe that's the lesson. Maybe that's a really nice way to tie this together. That is a very preston. Maybe if they're out for
2: blood, maybe they should look inwards (laughs) and And I think maybe they should read some mantras off their iPhone notes, or some some meditation might do them some good. I think Gumby. So who would, would be
3: the best at meditating? Gumby. Gumby, Gumby would kill at least in yoga poses. There's no yoga pose he can't do.
0: I mean,
1: I, I think they're both pretty mindful.
0: All right, that's true.
1: <laughs>
0: that's true. Usually, someone already or, or always goes one way or the other, even if they don't advocate for violence. But yeah, that, that's fair too. They they do both seem pretty mindful if you look back at all the text.
3: I, I never once advocated for violence. I'm just saying, if violence <laughs> occurred, I know who's taking it. So,
0: how is the student engagement council going to begin? A solution to this issue, or to address this issue, or to be a part of addressing mental health.
1: Right. So that it's got the three pillars. Right. So the first pillar is engagement with each other. That students will engage with each other, and and that is ultimately, you know, the answer to all of our to to all of the problems that we face is that we must engage. It's when we say we're not talking to those people or we're going to keep those people from getting what they want or we're gonna stop this political party from doing this thing, even though we know it would help everybody, right? We have to engage with each other and we have to say, okay, we may not agree on everything, but we do have common ground. And the first stage of that is getting ourselves out of these silos that um, that uh, algorithms are gonna put us in, where we only see people who are who agree with us and and who don't like the same people that we don't like or mistrust this other group, right? Or feel that they're victimized by by another group? It it's the day that we sit down and we engage with you, with each other and we hear each other's stories, and we understand where where people are coming from, and why maybe they do feel victimized, right? Because they are in pain, right? I mean, we all suffer, so when people suffer they look for a reason for their suffering and and the bad thing is that sometimes that becomes other people right so if we if we are with each other in a room doing things together um, and and the more students we have um, from from different backgrounds with different experiences and different beliefs right the more that we can build those bridges that we're going to need to get us to a place where we're all happier, where there's less suffering, right? I mean, we can never have no suffering, but we can have less and we can all have less, right?
2: Yeah. I really, my hopes for this is, I hope that this doesn't just maintain a a thing here at OTC that um, it can be a model for, for other colleges.
3: Yeah, that would be great. We do kind of a political version of that with Politically Active. We are not very in-depth on you as a human. Uh, We mostly talk about the issues, so we stay very surface level, but we try to be accepting of almost all political points of view. And uh, I feel like as a result, because we have that, we're able to have more fruitful conversations. You know, we will have a meeting that will have been conducted by the time this episode airs, but it's on reproductive rights. We're doing a reproductive rights meeting in a couple Wednesdays from now, and one thing we know is that everybody has a strong opinion on it and we stink as a society about having a conversation about it because we demonize one another. So we are able to, and I may be speaking too soon here, check in in a couple weeks see if I'm okay, but um, we are probably going to be able to have a perfectly functional conversation about it in ways that simply don't exist because we have that thesis statement of accepting your political point of view as you are. Now, you guys go a little deeper into the humanitarian part of that, but still. So, kind of how
0: do these two things intertwine? So, what was the role of the documentary in the formation of the genesis of, of the Student Engagement Council?
2: So, through really like understanding the information that the documentary brought, um, with that, I was like, "What? What can I do to really um, help out on a, on just a local level?" Because um, you know, I've I've done things that I, I can post on TikTok and and reach a broader sense of people, but at the end of the day, there is still things that are going on. Here on the local level, so through that, um, I actually wrote an essay, and um, Richard Turner had read it, and he was like, he like pulled me to the side and was like ask, asking me questions about it, and he realized that on the the website for the IMGenZFilm dot com that there's a opportunity for educational screenings, so. We kind of like work together and and try to figure out like what we can do to have a educational screening here and we had a panel discussion about the content of the the documentary and through that one of the things that we kind of suggested was was a student engagement council
0: excellent and so going forward what can we expect to see if, if people want to get involved? What kind of, th- how are you going to be engaging students? Or how are students going to be engaging?
1: So, uh, the advice I would give right now is for students to keep an eye on the events calendar. So, a lot of what, I mean, sometimes we do these kind of big events like the town hall. Um, but we're also going to kind of have small events where students can just get together and, and talk and meet. Uh, we are also going to be linked to the IM Gen Z website. Um, so our website will be on there and hopefully copy this podcast um, so that people in other cities and countries um, and at other colleges will be able to look at our organization and see us as a model and and follow our model. So we're really looking at something that is really um local here but is hopefully going to kind of sp- spawn an international movement. That's uh, our goal.
2: And another thing that I was I was talking to Liz earlier today and I was like, "Can I can I talk about when it's going to be released?" <laughs> and and Please. she's like she's like, "Yeah." And then I um so through That information, I found out that it's going to be available through um, iTunes, um, Amazon, and Hulu. Um, and she said, etc. So I'm not really sure <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what else, but um, and then, but that will be at the end of the year. Currently, we're still able to do educational screenings. So if there's anybody at, at another college that is listening and wishes for an educational screening all they have to do is go to the website imgenzfilm.com, um, and i believe that um, through like where can i watch it there's there's a little email thing that you can email and set up an educational screening
0: that's very generous of you the uh, 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 if you are so kind as to include this podcast link on uh i am i am i imgenzfilm.com. Imgen, com's website that might be a possibility. <laughs> You're
2: probably not used to saying that, right? I am. Gen Z. I, I am not. As, I, am, <laughs> oh. I am
0: not. I am known as uh, a in So I'm like right on that borderline between Gen X and millennial. However, even more meanly, sometimes we're referred to as geriatric millennials, which really does hurt my feelings every oh. time. Put that in a uh, so documentary. I am Gen Z film.com. Uh, you can uh, uh, do an educational screening if, if you're interested, but at the end of the year, it's also going to be available on uh, iTunes, Amazon, Hulu, um, and, and the, the film itself is I Am Gen Z. Um, and you mentioned a second film? Yes, The Deadline.
2: So The that's, Deadline. That's the one about um, the battle between um, authoritarian populism versus progressivism. That's um, kind of a movement that's happening across the world. Um, and on top of that the battle for for climate change fantastic any ideas about when that might um, I believe I remember she said that it filming's going to be complete um, early 2024 um, so it's gonna be a bit but um, in that in that film whenever she came down to Springfield to from the UK to film this um, she kind of briefed me on like since I am an LGBTQ activist, um, I, I'm kind of portraying that that community in the in the film as somebody growing up in the Midwest who identifies with that community.
0: Well, Andrew, this was our, our our first time bringing on a, a sublet guest who's oh also goodness. a student. It got real too. We have had students during the picnic. But those are yeah. kind of their own kind of thing. So, so what'd you think? I didn't know a lot of what he had to say. I didn't know a lot of that. I didn't know that either.
1: Well, now, well, now, you, now do. you do. <laughs> now Thank you do. so much, much.